welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. So, as I've been reading and listening to every nugget of information related to this case, I've come to the conclusion that Debbie Collier's 36-year-old daughter, Amanda Bearden, is likely involved in the crime, allegedly. Note that this is just me speculating, and it's all allegedly because not only has no one been named a suspect, no one's been charged with the crime. That said, let me explain why I feel Amanda may be involved. Here are the four red flags that led me to this conclusion. One, the fight at the Collier home on Friday, September 9th, most likely involved Amanda. The neighbor said she heard a young woman screaming. If that really was Amanda screaming at either her mother or at her stepfather, that tells us that something was making Amanda angry that night at either her mother, Debbie, or at both Debbie and Steve Collier, who lived there. A fight before a person goes missing and then is discovered done in is a giant red flag. What was the fight about? Is the motive for the crime embedded in that fight? Also, we've learned from Amanda's past run-ins with the law that she was ordered to take anger management classes. That tells me Amanda has trouble controlling her temper. Just how bad was Amanda's anger? And how much of a problem did she have controlling it? Was it bad enough to blow up into a volcanic rage? In Steve Collier's call to 911 to report Debbie missing, he tells the officer that his stepdaughter, Amanda, received an unsettling message from her mother, Debbie, two hours earlier. Steve tells the operator that the message said only this, they won't let me go, end quote. I see several red flags in this one. We know that Steve learned of Debbie's disappearance from Amanda, who appears to have been at his and Debbie's house when he arrived home from work on Saturday around 6 p.m. Clearly, Amanda failed to tell Steve what the entire message from Debbie said, which was, they won't let me go, love you, there's a key to the house in the blue flower pot, end quote. And it would appear that Amanda also failed to mention the Venmo transfer of the rather large sum of $2,385 because Steve doesn't tell the officer about it. You'd think that such a transfer would warrant a mention to Steve Collier. The other, perhaps more disturbing red flag is that Amanda waited more than two hours before letting Steve know about Debbie's message and before contacting the police. Amanda received the message and the money at 3.17 p.m. Amanda has said that she called her mother repeatedly after she received the Venmo with the message, but there was no answer. Debbie wasn't picking up. And we now know that Debbie's phone was turned off two minutes after 3.17 p.m. Let me ask you guys, if your mom sent you a scary note 
that read, they're not going to let me go. And the note was part of a Venmo for $2,000 odd dollars. Wouldn't your first or at least second call be to 911? And wouldn't you make that 911 call pretty much right after you received the scary message and you were unable to contact your mother? Why did Amanda wait more than two hours to alert anyone to call the police to contact her stepfather, Steve Collier? And more importantly, what was Amanda doing during those two hours? Was she over near Tallulah Falls, where her mother's rental vehicle was seen parked by a police officer at 5 p.m.? I think it's safe to say that whatever befell Debbie Collier occurred after 3.19 p.m. when she drove out of the shopping center parking lot and up to and maybe beyond 5 p.m. on Saturday. That's my belief. I know the police are saying at this point, without the autopsy results, that Debbie Collier met with her maker between... 3.19 p.m. and 12.44 p.m. on Sunday when she was found. Was Amanda busy during those two hours after the Venmo transaction? Is it possible she was at the crime scene? Again, I'm just speculating. No one's been called a suspect officially and no one's been charged. Is that why she couldn't call the police right after the 317 Venmo transaction? Did she need to wait until the crime was completed? And she and whoever else may have helped her made their getaway. Again, I'm speculating. We don't know that Amanda is involved. She could have been held hostage by someone and forced into this whole thing. But the timeline does seem very strange, doesn't it? Red flag number three, Debbie Collier's sister, Diane Shirley, also made a call to 911. Her call was prompted by Amanda telling her that Debbie was missing. Shirley tells the detective that she's very worried about her sister. She also shares a disturbing story that Amanda told her about a car accident that Debbie was involved in. Per Diane Shirley, Amanda told her the accident occurred a month earlier. Because Debbie went missing on September 10th, that would mean that Debbie's accident occurred in August. However, we know that the accident happened on April 30th. Why would Amanda say a month earlier when it was really four months earlier? That's a big discrepancy. Did Amanda say that to her Aunt Diane to make the car accident seem more likely to be connected to Debbie's disappearance? It sort of sounds like it. Also, when Diane told the detective the story Amanda related to her, the details of the accident were exaggerated. The driver of the truck was not, as Amanda told Diane, 
an ex-felon. According to an article in the New York Post, the driver was actually 48-year-old Miguel Martinez, and the police officer who showed up to the scene of the accident ended up citing him, Martinez, for allegedly driving without a license and operating a vehicle without securing the load. The article also stated this, and I quote, Although Martinez faced a slew of misdemeanors after allegedly pulling his ex's hair while she was holding their child in early 2015, sending them both tumbling to the ground, he does not appear to be part of Georgia's parole system. Most of the charges were dismissed in a plea deal in which he admitted to two counts of disorderly conduct. He was sentenced to 12 months of probation and would have been off six years before this accident with Collier. A search of Georgia records found no evidence that he had ever been found guilty of a felony, sent to prison, or paroled. End quote. Diane also told the detective that Amanda was not communicating well with her about her sister Debbie's disappearance. 4. Amanda called the detective assigned to her mother's disappearance at least two times. Now, these calls were made before Debbie's remains were discovered. In one of the calls, Amanda can be heard sobbing. She also misrepresents her purpose for calling. At first, she tells the operator that she has new information about Debbie's disappearance to share with the detective. When the operator asks her if she has any further information to share, Amanda replies confidently, I sure do. It makes you think she's about to share some important new information. But when the operator asks what kind of update Amanda has to share with the detective, Amanda replies, Oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean like I have an update. I just meant I'm not in a clear mental state. I just wanted to talk to them. Now, Amanda does end up sharing information about the rental car that her mother was driving, but the whole call just seems a little wacky. It's the same call in which Amanda asks if she should call a private investigator to search for her mother. And through it all, she sounds like she's sobbing. Remember, she supposedly doesn't know that anything really bad has happened yet. Although, if my mom was missing like that, I'd be bawling my eyes out too, maybe. But again, I would have reported her missing right after the weird message with the Venmo, because it indicates that she was maybe being held by kidnappers. I actually realized that I have a fifth red flag, and that is that Amanda arrived right after the cops discovered her mother's rental vehicle. It turns out she was given a general idea of the last ping location by the Athens police. And according to the Habersham County Sheriff's Office, Amanda began yelling that that was her mother's car. According to the event report, Amanda told the police that her mother had a bad back and couldn't have walked far. 
So those are my red flags. Please let me know what you think in the comments. And if you enjoyed this video, please hit that like button and please consider subscribing to my channel. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.